Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop aboard here on this Thursday night as uh, we look forward to this week. And I'm looking even more forward than that. I mean, I understand we have a tough game coming up on Sunday. But I want the Eagles to play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I want, I'd rather face them than the Bengals. A couple of reasons. Number one, Burrow scares me more than Mahomes. As, as great as Mahomes is, Burrow terrifies me and I'm thinking about a fourth quarter in the Super Bowl with the Eagles up four and the ball in Burrow's hands and I'm already nervous about it. I'd rather face Andy Andy Reid and Mahomes in that spot rather than Joe Burrow right now. And in terms of the matchup, I, I think the Bengals are the better defense. I think the Bengals have the better secondary. They are better against the pass. I, I just rather play the Chiefs. And I love the idea, love the idea of a an Andy Reid versus the Eagles Super Bowl giving closure to the Andy Reid era. And come on, Angelo Cataldi going out Yelling about Andy, about Andy Reid one more time. That would be incredible. Uh, and then, obviously, a couple of Eagles here were drafted, more than that, uh, by Andy Reid. So there's some closure there, including Jason Kelsey, who might be playing. And if you asked me two months ago, I would have said definitely would be playing his final home game this weekend as an Eagle. I mean, we knew last offseason it felt like the end. You know, the, he helped them draft Cam Jurgens in the second round in his, essentially his heir apparent. It all seemed to line up. You go back to the video when he announced he would be coming back this year. It all seemed to line up to this was Jason Kelsey's last season. And it might be. But here's Jason Kelsey today asked a good question. Like, have you thought about this? Like, this potentially could be your last home game as an Eagle on Sunday. Listen to Kelsey's response. It didn't strike me as someone who's definitely ready to retire. Chance that this is your last game at the link. Mm-hmm. Has that entered your thoughts at all? And, you know, um, will you be soaking it in more? You know, I think uh, – it was like maybe three years ago. I think that might have been maybe Doug's last year. That was on my mind quite a bit. So I've learned now that I don't know when that last game's going to come, so maybe I think about it a little bit less. Uh, you know, it's always a chance that that's going to be the situation, but, um, you know, just try and think about the game and focus on taking in the moment and, and, and being 100% there. You know, it's, it's hard enough uh, – Doing it that way, it's going to be a lot harder if you're not focused. That I mean, he may just be focused, right? He, that that may be Jason Kelsey just being laser focused on the NFC Championship game this weekend, and not even thinking about the reality of of what he's probably already decided. That that is certainly possible, but that doesn't that didn't strike me as a player who 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 who's ready to go. I mean, th- there's other ways he could have answered that, like you know. I'm focused on this game, but but of course, anytime I step on the field, the link it's special. You never, you know, he could have led us down the path of, I'm focused on this, but of course, anytime it's it's close to the end of a season, this stage of my career, I'm yeah, I mean that's I'm going to think about that when I walk off the field. Nothing. I mean, it almost struck me as three years ago he thought his career might be over, but now he feels good, is playing great. Maybe he doesn't want to go. Obviously, the money's still really well, and he's compensated as the best center in the league, as he should be, making about, whatever they gave him, $13 or $14 million for this year. Tucker, I heard that, and I didn't walk away from that this morning saying, this is his last game at the link. I, I don't know if he's done. Yeah, and I think it's fascinating because you go and you look at, in comparison to what happened at the end of 2020, I mean, is it as much as the success of the team and the culture of the team has made him change his mind and the fact that he's still playing at a super high level with guys he's pretty much played his entire career with, right? Because Lane Johnson's still here, Brandon Graham's still here, Fletcher Cox is still here, and maybe things changed after, you know, February and March roll around. But I don't know, the Eagles are in such a good situation right now and he's still playing at such an elite level. 
it's hard to sit here and say, man, it's time for him to hang it up. And now we see, especially with guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, maybe you want to hang it up before it's too late. But I don't know. I think if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, it'll be a weird conversation to have because either he'll feel like he'll go out on top or he'll feel like I still have more in the tank. Yeah, and as far as the Cam Jurgens pick goes, just to circle back to that, because they made that last year with the idea he's their heir apparent. I mean, I don't think it would be a big deal. Um, I mean, they, he, he, obviously he'd be welcomed as long as he wants to keep playing at a high level here. But I believe Isaac Sayamalo is a free agent. I mean, just judging on Cam Jurgens' athletic profile and how high he was drafted, to be, I, I'm sure next year if Kelsey wanted to stay, I bet Jurgens could play right guard at a pretty good level next year. So that, I, I just feel like they would just slot him in there. He'd play next year there. So it's interesting. We'll see. Uh, but I did not get the sense there, listening to Jason Kelsey, that he believes, at least he's thinking about it, that this is his final game at the link. It is what I'm watching for. The future of Jason Kelsey, sponsored by Xfinity Mobile. Xfinity Mobile, the sponsor of WIP's Xfinity Mobile Lounge, a different kind of mobile network designed to save you money. Eagles Niners, 3 o'clock Eastern on Sunday afternoon. I say Easter because our next guest, unless he's coming out here, maybe he is. I know we had um, we had one of his teammates uh, from out in San Francisco on with us last night. Joe Shasky joined us. He's taking a red eye here on Saturday. I'm not sure if Mark Grandy is, but I do know he's locked in on this game, as is everyone at our sister station, 95-7 the game out in San Francisco. He joins us now to give us the pulse to the fans and to tell us what he thinks about this matchup. Mark, how you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing well, Joe. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. I'll, I'll be better at uh, around 6 o'clock on Sunday if I'm watching Jalen Hurts raise the George Hallis Trophy. Um, Mark, give me your feeling on this game and, and kind of the way it's been talked about in San Francisco. I feel like here there's some nervous energy, but it's become more confident as the week has gone on. G- give me the pulse of the Niner fan. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Niner fans, this is the matchup that they had been expecting for a couple of months now. Ever since you saw Brock Purdy look good, this was the matchup that Niner fans thinking was going to happen. They've been watching with the close eye to the Eagles ever since then. Um, I think there's no doubt that the Eagles have been the best team in the NFC all season long, and when Jalen Hurts has been the starting quarterback, of course, they haven't lost. And Niner fans uh, are keenly aware of that. However, there is still a ton of confidence with this 49er fan base, considering just how talented they are, not to say that the Eagles aren't either, but you throw out a group on offense that features Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, Kyle Juszczyk and and Trent Williams, uh, and Brock Purdy's been a revelation, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a Niner fan that thinks that that isn't a group that can get it done, and that's before you even look on the defensive side of the ball which features the likely defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa, perhaps the best linebacker in the league in, in Fred Warner, another great linebacker in Dre Greenlaw. So ton of confidence, but I will say there's also a lot of respect for the Philadelphia Eagles out here on the West Coast, in, in the Bay Area specifically, because this is uh, the matchup that I think most fans out here have been expecting and uh, therefore are, are very eager to see on Sunday. Yeah, I fall in line with that, Mark. I've been expecting it, too. I, you know, I, I said in October I thought these were the two best rosters in the NFC by, by a lot. And you know, it, you know, we didn't know how it was going to play out in the bracket and, and who gets injured and all that stuff. But I'm not surprised we're here. In fact, I've expected it. But, Mark, obviously I am surprised that it's Brock Purdy under center because when I had that thought in October, it was Jimmy Garoppolo, and now we're on Brock Purdy. 
Mark, what do you think about this kid? Like, you know, you know better than we do. I, I watched him in full the last two games, and I caught a decent amount of him his other games, especially the uh, the standalone game against the Seahawks on Thursday night. But how good is he? How much of this is Shanahan just getting him by? Give me your thoughts on Purdy as as you guys have experienced the start of his run all the way to now. It's an incredibly wild experience because there's this guy that you didn't really know much about, a seventh-round Mr. Irrelevant rookie. Uh, if you're drafted Mr. Irrelevant, odds are you're really never going to do anything in the NFL, and now you're in the NFC Championship game. And You look at the way this roster is constructed. You look at everything that Kyle Shanahan has done as a head coach. I think it's relatively easy at least from the outside, to, to somewhat write off what Brock Purdy is doing or not necessarily give him the correct amount of credit for the, what he's been able to do this season. I mean, you look at some of the numbers, um, he's been really good. I mean, he's, he's putting up 30 points consistently for this Niners team. I know last week only 19 against Dallas. But that was by far the best defense he's played against so far in his career. He's thrown just about every time he's out there two or more touchdowns, again, other than last week when he did not find the end zone. The only touchdown for the Niners was on the ground from Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so he deserves a ton of credit. But again, I think it's easy to kind of not give him that necessary credit because of, as I mentioned earlier, all the weapons that they have offensively. So I feel like there's kind of this disconnect where you can write him off a bit because of all the talent that he has, but he has undoubtedly, there's no question, made the Niners' offense better. Just look at the numbers from when Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback to now that Brock Purdy is the quarterback. And it seems to me, watching all these games incredibly closely, Kyle Shanahan even trusts Brock Purdy more than he ever trusted Jimmy Garoppolo, which is wild to say, considering Jimmy Garoppolo had been this team's starter for years, but he opened up the playbook more. He was more aggressive on early downs. He was more aggressive in first quarters with Brock Purdy as his quarterback. So certainly, this is a relatively easy system to have success in because of all the weapons and because of how good of a mind Kyle Shanahan is, Joe. But I do think that Brock Purdy deserves more credit than he is getting nationally. So, Mark, uh, do you sense any oil is leaking here? I mean, the last couple of weeks, obviously the stakes are higher. It's a playoff game. I have seen, and and I'm sure there's been more you've seen over the regular season games, but I've seen some plays where he's running to his left and cutting to no man's land, or he's throwing the ball nearly picked off, and and they haven't been, right? He hasn't played poorly, uh, and they've won both games. But it feels to me, to me a little bit like those could turn to picks if he doesn't clean it up. How about that as he goes up against the number one pass defense in the league? Yeah, he's had a couple where he got away with one. There was one of their Thursday night game, week 15, going back a little bit further in Seattle, uh, where one of the defensive backs for, for the Seahawks, I believe it was Diggs, just had a ball right into his chest, and, and he couldn't squeeze it, and it fell incomplete. And then the other Diggs uh, uh, in, in Dallas dropped an interception as well. It was deflected at the line, so a little bit more difficult there, and not necessarily the worst throw for Purdy. So he has gotten away with a couple of throws that probably should have been interceptions. But even if you do count those interceptions, he's still doing a relative good job of taking care of the ball. I mean, on the season, 16 touchdowns. This includes the postseason and just four interceptions. And again, that's not in a full season. He started the final five games, played in the final six games of the regular season, and has now made two postseason starts as well. Uh, but he's done a good job taking care of the ball. And while maybe it was a little more uneven against Dallas, you mentioned 
kind of the eagerness to roll left kind of awkwardly for a right-handed quarterback. Maybe he was bailing on the pocket a little bit too early. I, I feel you there, and I think I'm with you a little bit, but I also think this is a situation, especially last week, where he played, and you guys know the Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately, they have an incredible defensive line, incredibly athletic, and incredibly quick. He was aware of that, and he knew he had to act quickly. I think that was a big part of that performance last week. And let's be honest, the Niners' offensive line wasn't as good in the first half last week. That made it really difficult on Brock Purdy and and kind of forced him into some of those uh, difficult scenarios where he was forced to avoid pressure, to roll left, and and try to get the ball away just before getting sacked by by Micah Parsons and company. Uh, And, you know, for a young guy, I think experiences like that are really important. I think this is an opportunity for Brock Purdy to learn from that experience. Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy himself, Debo Samuel, a number of people in the Niners organization have come out and said this week, Dallas was a great experience for the team as a whole, but specifically for Brock Purdy because it allowed them to prep for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's obviously a different beast the Philadelphia Eagles are, but it's a, it was a good way for Brock Purdy to, to feel what it would feel like to go against an elite defense in the postseason. And while it wasn't always incredibly pretty, he still took care of the ball. So I do think we'll see Brock Purdy perhaps a little bit more composed, at least in the, the scope of plays. Perhaps the crowd gets to him to, to a little bit. But I think when you see the football snap, I do think you'll see a little bit more composed Brock Purdy. And a big reason for that is because of the experiences last week. We're talking to Mark Grandy, 95.7 The Game out in San Francisco, our sister station out there. Mark, what is the, um, what is the pulse and the feeling among the fan base uh, based on the expectation and kind of how important this is? So we know the Niners have been at three of the last four title games. They went to a Super Bowl. Is the feeling like, hey, this is the year, this is our year to win it all? Or is it more like, hey, we're a great franchise now, or, you know, a top-tier organization, we're on our third-string quarterback, we're on the road, we'll be back even if this isn't here. Like, give me the pulse. I, I remember the Eagles, you know, 20 years ago when they started a similar kind of run to the Niners where they were in the title game year after year. After a couple, it started to build like, hey, we gotta, we got to – finally win one of these before you know it's too late what's the feeling Niners fans in this particular weekend I think with the emergence of Brock Purdy maybe Niner fans feel um, a little less stressed about this one obviously it's still a gigantic deal and anytime you get this deep you want to win the Super Bowl but because they feel like Niner fans feel like they found a quarterback in Brock Purdy that they hope is able to, to lead this franchise for years to come, as crazy as that sounds for a seventh-round rookie. That's what Niner fans believe. I feel like they think that the future could also potentially be the 49ers, you know, theirs for the taking if, if they want. I do feel like the Niners feel a little bit more confident about their future now that they have seen this from Brock Purdy as compared to Jimmy Garoppolo because, as, as you guys know, I'm sure Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't even supposed to be a 49er this year. It was supposed to be Trey Lance's team. And, and then, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo's offseason surgery, and no other team was willing to meet the Niners' asking price for a trade, so they restructured, restructured his deal. Breaking news, that's not happening this offseason. It is Brock Purdy and Trey Lance in the future, and it'll be Brock Purdy's uh, job to lose starting next season. Um, so I think with that said, there is a little bit more confidence for the future, and of course they have an incredibly talented roster around him. 
But I will say, Niner fans have been waiting forever for another Super Bowl. I mean, I remember in the Jim Harbaugh days over a decade ago now, uh, the slogan was Quest for Six. The team has won five Lombardi trophies. They've been waiting on a sixth forever. Hasn't happened in the 2000s. Last time you got to go back into the 90s when Steve Young uh, and, and Jerry Rice and everyone ended that epic run for the 49ers. So, this is a franchise that, as you mentioned, has been to this stage and a step beyond this stage uh, recently a couple of times, a handful of times, but they haven't been able to close the book. So while they are confident about the future, they still desperately want this one uh, because they, they haven't been able to hoist that trophy for such a long time. All right, Mark. I'm Mark Grandy of 95.7 The Game. I, I think it, you guys, I'm sure, have talked about it all week, and it's no, it's no secret that the weakness of the Eagles, and there's not many, but their run defense, and they've cleaned it up over the second half. But you know, for, if I had to pick one over the season, it's been their run defense, and I'm sure Shanahan and Cup are going to want to exploit that on Sunday, control the clock, and, and move the chains. What's the Niners' weakness, Mark? Like, if the Eagles win this game, and, and you guys talking next week, what what went wrong? Other than Purdy, let's remove him from the conversation for a second. Where's the weakness that you expect the Eagles' coaches to attack on Sunday? I think there's a couple to point to. The first one is the offensive line. They are anchored by Trent Williams, probably the best tackle. Maybe Philadelphia Eagles fans might argue argue me on that, but the best tackle in football, Trent Williams on the left side, he's incredible. But you look elsewhere, there's a lot of youth. Aaron Banks, second-round pick uh, a couple of years ago. He's in his second year but didn't play at all last year. Uh, then you've got Jake Brendel in the middle in, in the middle at center. He hasn't he doesn't have a ton of experience on the offensive line in the National Football League. And then to the right of him, it's Spencer Burford, a rookie out of University of Texas San Antonio. So they are a little bit uh, inexperienced on the offensive line. And of course, considering how good that Eagles defensive line is, that could be a, a bit of an area of, of imbalance in this one. And then the other is the defensive secondary. Charvarius Mooney Ward has been incredible, a great free agent signing from the Kansas City Chiefs. But he has been beaten up a little bit by, by quick, strong, tall, athletic receivers. And A.J. Brown certainly fits that profile. D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown's collegiate teammate, uh, abused Mooney Ward a couple of weeks ago when the Seahawks played the Niners in the wild card round. He had over 100 yards, had a 50-yard touchdown against Mooney Ward. So I think that's an area. The corner opposite Mooney Ward is Diamando and Lenore, a late-round pick out of Oregon a couple of years ago. He was forced in due to an injury of Emmanuel Mosley early in the season. He's played better of late, but uh, that defensive secondary, specifically the corner spots, I think are areas of weakness for this Niner defense. And a player like A.J. Brown added Devontae Smith, I think, can take advantage. So if the Niners are to lose this game, I would imagine the Philly D-line, and those two Philly receivers had a big game. All right, Mark, let's end with this. Um, one of your coworkers, Joe Shasky, told me he's taking a red eye out here uh, Saturday morning to come watch this game. What, what do you anticipate? I mean, I know the Niners travel well. I mean, it's a, it's a great franchise, and you guys have a lot of fans everywhere, not just, uh, not just in the Bay Area. Do you expect an invasion here? I mean, I, I don't think you guys are going to come take over the link, but do you expect, have you heard, a good number of Niner fans are making the trip across the country for this game on Sunday? I don't know about exact numbers, figures, or percentages. I will say uh, you're right. Niner fans do travel really well, and I'm sure there's a handful of 
of Niner fans, more than a handful of number Niner fans out on the East Coast already that probably won't need to travel all, all that far to get to Philadelphia. So I think there's a chance you see a decent amount of, of red in the stands. I will say I would expect it to be nowhere near the level of Niner fans you saw, say, for example, in Dallas last year in the postseason when that looked like and felt like a Niner home game or in the NFC Championship game last year in Los Angeles when that looked and felt like a Niner home game. I think Eagle fans are, are too loud and proud to let that happen. But uh, you, you'll probably see a, a good contingent of Niner fans uh, at the link on Sunday. However, I, I don't think you'll it'll minimize how daunting of a task it is to go into Philadelphia and try to win a football game. Yeah, daunting's a good word. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a, a circus-like atmosphere here, Mark. Loud and, and circus-like on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun, Mark. I appreciate you hopping on. Enjoy the game and uh, and good luck to your team. Thank you. Of course, same to you. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. You got it, man. Mark Randy, 95.7 The Game, out in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I do wonder how many Niners fans will actually be in the building. I mean, it's across the country. and they have, a, they have a fan base that does travel well. I mean, I would equate it. Not, it's not quite Cowboys, but like Steelers kind of. But, I again, it's so far away. I mean, if they have more than, I don't know, of the 70,000 seats, if there's more than 2,500 Niners fans in there, I'd be surprised. I am waiting to see because remember in 2017 when the Vikings fans came here and they embarrassed themselves on the museum steps? I am waiting to see if we get anything the next day or two of a of a Niners group that tries to pull a stunt. I mean, there is zero reason for me to harbor any ill will towards Vikings fans. I just don't like them anymore. Well, I think they're losers. Plus, I, I think once in a while you have a moment that has nothing to do with the game where you know the game is over. And what I mean by that is when the Vikings fans did the skull chant on the museum steps, the, the championship game had ended right then and there. And it's the same thing when the, the those Padres guys sang that song. Remember? I do remember. What was the – I'm trying to remember the, the lyrics to it. Uh, that's what's it. That's, remember they kept – that's what they that's kept saying. That's what's it. And they uh, – Manny's going to cruise – Bryce yes. is going to lose. <laughs> like, when that happened, the NLCS ended. When that happened, I went and I bought my World Series Yeah, th- it was. there was no way the Padres could win after that. So I'm, I'm kind of secretly hoping that Niners fans come here and do some sort of lame thing. Yeah, I just I, I don't have any issues with 49ers fans, but I'd like to. Oh, I, by Sunday we will. I mean, yeah, if we get one of those. I, I just hope because you know it'll go viral and you know – it just is a bad omen. Like, if you do something completely embarrassing for your team on the road, you know, in a city like this before, yeah, it um, it's going to end poorly. 215-592-9494. That's a hot board here. We got some good news for the future of the Eagles coaching staff. I'll explain why next. And hear from Fletcher Cox talking about how loud he expects it to be, the home field advantage at Lincoln Financial Field. That and another notch in the Howie Roseman future Hall of Fame case, all coming up on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. We're getting close now to Sunday, 3 o'clock NFC Championship game. The Eagles and the Niners. Eagles still sitting at a two-and-a-half point favorite. We'll get to um, what Fletcher Cox had to say today about his expectations for the crowd here coming up. Big news, I think good news for the Eagles on the coaching carousel when it comes to their assistance to keeping keeping those guys here, especially one in particular. And 
Another notch. I mean, I know I feel it. I know the guy coming on after me is a big Howie Roseman guy. I mean, Howie's path to the Hall of Fame. We're just we're clearing this thing out after another notch in his belt today. So we'll get to all that. But right now, let's go back to the phone lines. Joe in King of Prussia wants to talk about Jalen Hurts. What's up, Joe? Joe, you there, buddy? Joe going once? Twice? We'll put Joe on hold. He'll get himself together here, and he'll, uh, he'll jump on. Is it weird for you to talk to other people named Joe? Or are you just used to that by now? I mean, it's a pretty it's it's been a pretty common name throughout my life. I mean, I I would think I asked my kids this recently. I go, do they have Joes in their class? I'm I'm curious. I I always think it's interesting how names fluctuate in and out. Not too many Joes. I think we're we're gonna any Tuckers. I haven't asked that specific question. They, I mean, I have a feel though, just based on the names I hear them talk about. There's a new slate of names that came in you know, within the last 10 years that just are different. I mean, it happens every generation, right? We're so, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, am I, is it awkward son of Joe's? No, it's a very common name. Will it always be one? Probably not. We're probably going to fluctuate out at, at some point. That, that's, that's the way these names here work. All right, let's go to a very common name, Joe, in King of Prussia. What's up, Joe? Hey, 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 Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, listen, my thing that I got to confess is I was very negative on Jalen coming into the Giants game, and I – and the reason for it was I looked like in big game scenarios, like how did he perform when he was like in the national championship game with Alabama? And then of course against Tampa Bay, passer rating was below 50 in both of those scenarios. So I'm like, he's not a big game guy. And, and just playing sports myself, there are moments where you got to rise to the occasion. The rules change a little bit, you know, in football, the defensive backs get away with a little more hand checking. It's a it's a tighter game. That's all I'm gonna say. And he didn't perform. But last week, as we know, he was a star. So I, that whole thing leads me to this feeling that we have a star in the making in Philadelphia, and he's arriving at a moment for this town and. We're watching it firsthand, and it's making me feel really excited for this game because we're watching the beginning of a legacy. I, I don't. I mean, that's bombastic in terms of like I know that's over the top. But you know, Joe, before but, you go on, I don't think it is. So, like, and I'm going to explain why. So, I I understand your point. I, I've looked at those games too. I've thought about that with Jalen Hurts, um, especially after the way he played last year. I do think we have to remember how young he was in some of those spots, right? Like at like 18 years old, leading a team in the national title game. That's that's a lot, right? That's he's ahead of his the curve. But you're right; he didn't play great in a lot of those games, and he played poorly in a lot of them. But Joe, to your point about this game and, and kind of creating his legacy, Joe, I, I think there's a real chance if he stays healthy. We know they're going to re-sign him. He's going to be here a while. I think he has a chance to be the greatest Eagles quarterback of all time. Like he's got to keep playing like this, and he's got to win a Super Bowl one day. But these are the kind of games that we start thinking like that. I know it's exciting, and and for for to think how it all evolved. You know, we had the Wentz, and and he was like a second thought. I remember that draft when they picked him. Dougie Peterson was excited, and I was watching it, and I was thinking, why is he so excited? We have Wentz. But now it, it all is coming together. And so, hey, we, none of us know what the future holds, but I think we're going to be excited and very pleased as a, a fan base that we may have this guy for a long while, and we've been longing for superstardom in this town. 
where people look at this this uh, franchise in the way we've always felt about it is this is a this is why is it the Patriots or uh, you know just think about the greatest franchises in football Dallas Steelers yep Steelers why not Philadelphia yeah. I think we're we're on the verge of that oh I, 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 think I really so too. feel it and 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 they have a chance here with the way they have hurts at, at such a young age and and a lot of these young players especially on offense like. They should have a run here, Joe. It kind of reminds me, and I saw, uh, I think it was David Murphy in the Inquirer had a piece the other day, that this is more like 01 than it is 17, right? Like, this should this should be the beginning of a good five-year run, four- or five-year run, rather than just a one-year wonder. And I, I agree with that. Wow, that's exciting. It that's is, man. It's going to be fun. Joe, we're on it. Enjoy Thanks, it, man. Guys. You got it, man. Enjoy the game uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's it's hyperbole to say that. Like, that. If, if John Hurts pulls this off, we it does kind of add to we're watching something special. And I said it earlier in the season, I think he could become the greatest Eagles quarterback of all time. Like, he has that kind of potential and age and trajectory. Health is going to be, I think, his biggest issue over the years. They're going to keep him. But isn't this the separator game? We went over the numbers last night with Donovan. Donovan McNabb is the greatest Eagles quarterback of all time. But the reason we can even have a debate or a thought that he could be surpassed is because he stunk in these games. I mean, this, this is the truth. In the NFC title games, look at his numbers. I, the game logs are, they're almost like you forget how bad he was. And I'm not saying it was all his fault. The receivers weren't very good a lot of those times. And he was he was hurt in the in the Panther game. But he had 100 yards passing in one of those games, 45% completion. Like if Jalen Hurts stands up and plays well in this game, he already is on a track to surpass Donovan. Do you think there are winners and losers in sports? Like not not just in the box score, but like personality wise. I do. Like it wasn't Jay Cutler a loser. He was, but I also think you can go from being a loser to a winner. I and agree. I'll use my favorite example. I thought Bryce Harper was a loser. I was wrong. Bryce Harper in October turned out to be a winner by what he did in the NLCS, and I was right with Joe from King of Prussia. I thought Jalen Hurts was a loser coming out of college, and the way he's progressed every year since, the way he's improved as a passer in the NFL year over year makes me think right now that he can be a winner. I mean, those big numbers are there. I do think it's a little silly. We talk always about his big game experience, and he's used to stages like this when his most famous point of his career is getting benched on the biggest stage, right? That's still what people talk about. When you mention Jalen Hurts to any casual football fan, he's not Jalen Hurts MVP finalist. He's Jalen Hurts, the guy got benched for Tua Tagovailoa in the national championship game. I think it's so interesting that when you go through the, the, the best guys, and we'll see if Jalen Hurts continues to become and becomes one. Like He's already on a trajectory to be really good, but if, if he becomes one of the best. Doesn't it feel like they all have the same story? They're all different, but the, the, the story is the same. They were doubted. Something happened. Like, look at Tom Brady, six-round pick. Tom Brady didn't, wasn't even the, really the starter at Michigan. He had to share time with Gracie. Right? right? Like, it, it, it's just – think about the best – Aaron Rodgers. I know he's a goof, but he obviously is a great quarterback. He was 25th pick in the draft and stewed in the, in the room there, in the green room watching. I mean, Joe Montana, third-round pick, didn't have a strong enough arm. It's so it, – it's something so strange that all the best guys – were doubted. Russell Wilson, before he stunk, he was really good, and he was a third-round pick. I mean, like, how, shouldn't it be more Peyton Manning stories? Number one recruit, number one in college, number one overall pick. And even him, he had to get his butt kicked in the playoffs for year after year. He, his stories were kind of like Michael Jordan, where it just took some time, and then he, he kind of burst through and won. But 
it, it's the Jalen Hurts story is actually more of the norm than it is not. I mean, just look at the four quarterbacks who are playing on Sunday, right? They have Brock Purdy, who's Mr. Irrelevant, which I think has been muttered 15,000 times yeah. this week. You have Jalen Hurts, who was a second-round pick, who was benched at Alabama and moved to Oklahoma. And you have Patrick Mahomes, who I think was only like a three-star recruit coming out of high school, had to go to Texas Tech, didn't really play that well at Texas Tech with Cliff Kingsbury and was, I think, the 11th or 12th pick in the draft because Andy Reid saw something in him. And then he sat behind Alex Smith for a year before he was allowed to start. One even Burrow had a transfer out of Ohio State. Yeah, and then he was the number one pick. But Yeah, but, but again, he had adversity, right? Like, he's an Ohio kid. And Urban Meyer didn't see anything in him, <laughs> if you can believe that. Yeah, that Urban swift a couple times here. Like, imagine that. And and that, and that. Let's not pretend Ohio State wasn't winning games. It wasn't like they were a losing team when he was sitting there watching. But they had Joe Burrow. And then, like, nah, you want to transfer to LSU? Go ahead. We got other quarterbacks here. No, he's better than all the guys they had. Um, they, but I also think sometimes maybe these guys wouldn't be what they became without the adversity. There's also, like, it's a chicken or the egg thing. Like, do they become what they become? Like, does Jalen Hurts become what he becomes if he wasn't knocked down on the biggest stage? I don't know. I, I mean, I, he obviously is a hard worker, but that had to be an eye-opening moment for him. Like, I'm good. I'm an SEC freshman of the year, but I'm not that I'm not good enough because I just got benched in the national title game for a, a different quarterback. So he had to keep working and, and, and get better. I, I, I think there's something to the best players, or especially in football, Something happens where they have to they have to go to a different level, and and Hertz obviously has. I I can't wait to watch him in this game on Sunday. I believe he's built for this. I I thought from the beginning he was built for this city, which, you know, this I didn't think Carson was built for this city. I don't even know if Donovan was built for the city. I think he just put up. A, he was good enough that he got through it. But I mean, you could hear it anytime. Every time Donovan talks, and I love when he's on with Marks and Reese, like. It just never felt like he was comfortable here. It, it bothered him, all of the noise. He just never felt comfortable in his own skin. Jalen Hurts, he, he's built for this place. Let's talk to Drew in Westchester. What's up, Drew? Hey, how's it going, Joe? Nice you, to talk to you. Tonight. You too, Drew. What's up? So I'm listening to this, and uh, I've been listening to all the different commentators throughout the week comparing us against the Niners and everything. And I really do believe that all things being even – They've got great players. We do, too. But the difference is going to be Jalen versus Brock. And while the Brock is a great story and the media is entranced by that, everybody loves talking about it, I totally agree. Jalen is not getting his his deserved, you know, his deserved uh, kudos, right? And I think he's going to be the difference in this game. He's going to be poised. He's going to protect the ball. And I do think the downfall will be Brock, you know, turning over the ball. Our defense is going to get it. He's going to make a mistake. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the game. I think it's going to be an awesome game. Uh, but uh, I think the one thing I want to comment on is I don't think if you look by the numbers, Donovan may be the greatest, you know, numbers quarterback in the Eagles score, but how do you not give it up to Nick Foles because he won us a Super Bowl? I know, I know. And, Drew, I, th- I, I think, I I, I think you're really, right. I mean, I understand your point. And I actually, before this year, this, this might surprise people, but I remember before this season I looked at it, Foles actually owned the best passer rating for a career in Eagles history. I think Jalen may have passed him now, but but they're both above Donovan in that number. Yeah, and I think that I think you're absolutely right. Donovan never felt comfortable here. I felt that Nick had a calm poise about him, and I think that's why he was a winner here. I mean, no one else has a bronze statue, you know, talking about the Philly special with the coach who won the Super Bowl with him. And I think until you surpass that bar. Then you can't be in the same discussion as the greatest 
quarterback of of Philly history, of Eagles history. Yeah, and I, I think, I think that is, that's the ultimate bar. I think it is, and and I'll put it this way, and I, I think you and I probably see this eye to eye. And Drew, I appreciate your call, your phone call always. Donovan had the best career of any Eagles quarterback, but if I had to win one game and you could give me any Eagles quarterback at their best, I'm taking Nick Foles. I just trust him. I mean, he, look what he did. It's Nick. You're not taking Norm Van Brocklin? No, nah, I mean, I, I I feel like I'm I'm speaking out of school. I I didn't I, I don't know I, I I don't know enough. I mean, I can see the numbers like you can. I know he had a, he was a brilliant player, but like I don't know. So it was before our time, Tucker. You're a Van Brocklin guy? It was well before our time. Yeah, well before. Uh, I would take Nick Foles. If I had to win one game as, with an Eagles quarterback, I'd take Nick. But the career was so weird. He got traded. I always wonder what would have happened if he stayed. Like the whole, like he never got traded by Chip. Yeah, and I don't know. I just, if they make the playoffs in 2014, do they get rid of it? Like if Mark Sanchez wins one more game, can they get rid of him? If they've been to the playoffs back-to-back years? or I don't know. I mean, Chip was a wild card, though, like right? Like maybe he still would have done it anyway because he just went by the beat of his own drum. I don't know. It's just it's such a weird, disjointed, bizarre career for Nick Foles here. When he played, he was awesome. And then he didn't play all the time, and he was hurt. And then he went somewhere else, and he was terrible. And now he's writhing in pain on the ground as a Colt. And I think he's probably now going to retire. He probably should. Strange career, but, but what an eagle he was. Um, yeah, and and – you think about Jalen and what he has a chance to do here, you know, in his second season as a starter, go to the Super Bowl. It's it's remarkable. And and I, with our last caller mentioned with the turnover stuff and Purdy versus him. I, I really think it's the entire game on Sunday. I'm, I don't think Jalen Hurts needs to throw for four hundred yards or three fifty or or be statistically brilliant to win this game. Here's what he needs: don't turn the ball over. I mean, the Niners have given Brock Purdy ridiculous field position because. Teams keep turning the ball over against them because their defense forces turnovers. If Jalen Hurts protects the ball, and he really has done it all year, and just is smart about it, and he hits the plays when they're there, and if they're not tucking and run or you know lives to die another down, they're going to be fine. I, I don't think Brock Purdy is going to have seven drives, you know, from the fifteen or twenty yard line. It's just he's not going to do that. If they give him the ball in the forty every time, they're going to be in trouble. Let's talk to Chaz in Westchester. Hey, Chaz. Hey, Joe, congratulations on the move to middays coming up. That's Thank awesome. you, Jazz. I appreciate that. I, I only get to listen to you, you know, going to a Phillies game, or you don't get to listen to you very often, but you're very intelligent. I like the show. I'm glad that hammer's out of there. <laughs> yeah, he's headed to the morning, and he'll do a good job. Yeah, I'm excited. You and I are very excited. Hopefully, we get started in about three weeks when this Super Bowl's all over. Yeah. So you're talking about uh, Jalen and adversity, and, you know, there's a flip side to that. Like, look at went to adversity and what it did to him. You know, there, everybody faces it. It's just he's facing it at the right time. He's, he's coming up when he should. He's, he's like the, the ugly girl in high school who's hot, you know, later in life. It's, yeah. This is when you want him to peak, you know? Like, right. you don't want and him I, to I think it says something. Like, every person, you're right. Every, they, all these players deal with it. You're absolutely right. But it's some guys quiver, right? And they, and they kind of fall apart. And then some guys, like, almost like iron sharpens iron. They come out better on the other side. Yeah, and that's why I bring up Carson, not that I want to talk about him, but he never faced any adversity, and then when he finally did, he, he, he can't handle it personally. You know, and, and Jalen has been put in, you know, in those situations. So I don't think you know, Sunday is going to be anything for him. Yeah, and the thing I love about him, Chaz, just on the field, is he always looks the same. Like, if he's nervous on Sunday, we won't know. If he's happy, we won't know. He has that, that look on his face like, you know, it's, it's the middle of September, even though it's the playoff game. Yeah, yeah. They had a clip the other day of him and Kelsey getting the balls after a Saturday night, and that's, you know, he would barely break a smile then. 
The guy's cool as a cucumber. Yeah, and that's and and you think about the guys that win Super Bowls, Chaz. Chaz, I appreciate the phone call and the kind words. I mean, think about the guys that win Super Bowls. How, how many are more like Jalen? And I don't mean all the personality the same. I just mean that part of their demeanor. The, I would say the majority of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks are more like Jalen Hurts than they are, you know, kind of wear their emotions on their sleeves. I mean, I I just I I can't think of many quarterbacks that are like that that are able to win. It just they, they don't. I mean, guys like Burrow doesn't throw any, show any emotion. He obviously hasn't won one yet. But you go back to the Tom Brady's, and I know he's he's firing the sideline, but on the field he's he's calm in big moments. You know, Eli Manning, Joe Flacco, these guys show no emotion. I mean, that that's that's the way they were. I mean, that that tends to be the guys that win and and win a lot in this league. And I, and Jalen has that about him. All right, I want to play this for you, Fletcher Cox today. As we talk about the crowd and the emotions of Sunday, he's revved up, and I'm sure this crowd will be at 3 o'clock Sunday. Here's Fletcher and what he expects from this crowd coming up Sunday. Well, I've been telling a lot of the guys, if you think the stadium was loud last week, you know, just wait until Sunday. Um, we got to keep the crowd in it um, the, the entire game because we're going to need it, um, and uh, we are looking forward to it. Well, I mean, they're gonna, they are going to need it, especially against Brock Purdy and, and get him all – out of sorts here, and and we've seen it before. We've seen it with young quarterbacks, and you go back to rookie quarterbacks on the road in the title game. They've all lost, and and I think they combined for nine picks, the four of them. How many picks is Purdy throwing on Sunday? One? I think at least one. It's not zero. No. I don't think he plays a perfect game. I just I look at this matchup. I know the Eagles are only favored by two and a half, but and we kind of did this discussion in this game last week, is there a world where they lose and people aren't disappointed? Is there a world where the Eagles lose and we kind of shake hands and say, well, the 49ers are the better team and move on? Because I think the disparity at the quarterback position makes that almost impossible. Yeah, I don't – I mean, there is there a world they lose in overtime and, like, something wacky happens and it's a 60-yard field goal and everyone just is disappointed and not mad or not blaming. There could be a world where it's not really a big blame game thing, but I can't see people not being disappointed. They're home in the title game. Right? I mean, this They're favored. is why you won 14 games in the regular season. Right. And then there's also like the reality, which we're, we've all, I think, faced. I don't know how much everyone is, wants to think about it. Like, this is what, if this is not their best shot to win with Jalen Hurts, it's going to be one of them because this is, he's still cheap and this roster is still loaded around him. Like, this. It, it reminds me of the Seahawks in the beginning of that run with Russell Wilson. That window, people thought that would last for six or seven years. It really was kind of like three or four. And they went to two Super Bowls. They won one. But they took advantage of the beginning of it. They won. I mean, even the one year they won here, right? They won because their quarterback was on a rookie contract. And I think if you look at Howie Roseman's track record, he's never won with an expensive quarterback. No. Ever. And I believe the Seahawks made the playoffs in 2012 which you kind of correlate to last year with the Eagles. It hurts his first year as a starter. And then they won it the next year. And they went back to the Super Bowl the next year and lost. But they, they made the Super Bowl in, his, in Russell Wilson's second and third year as a starter. And then the roster changed and he got more expensive and they didn't have as much success. Like, this is it. This is the time to win it. Um, now, the future also will be shaped by the coaching situation here with the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I thought it was good news to say Frank Reich, happy that Frank is now a coord, uh, head coach again, he got the Carolina Panthers job. So Frank Reich gets the Panthers job. That gives me, I, w- I would say, pretty good feelings. Shane Steichen is sticking around because that felt like his spot. Yeah, we're down to four openings now. Sean Payton's still out there. Right. Jim Harbaugh's going back, so he's right. not an option. But Payton's going to get one of these jobs. Sean Payton is. D'Amico Ryans, I think, is probably the favorite to, to go to Houston. Yep. 
I still think Gannon is possible to Houston. Me too. I just think the one thing that's tough, and you go back to the Super Bowl year and what kind of helped Frank Wright get that Colts job to begin with is the Eagles and their coordinators, they can't um, mm-hmm. have an interview until after the conference title game is over. Right. They they did their first round, like on Zoom or whatever they do. Right. And the Panthers moved on before even getting to a second round of Steichen. I always wonder why teams do that. Like, is is this three weeks really that big of a deal? Like, if you if you want one of the Eagles coordinators, let's just use that for an example. Like, it seems like these teams get impatient. Like, I got to get a coach now. Well, what's what's going on the next three weeks in the yeah, NFL? It's not like uh, college where you have to work on recruiting. Right. That that's free agency. That's March, and the combat doesn't happen until after. Like, I, I understand teams want to get their ducks in a row and begin their off season planning and all that, but. Always a little strange. It's a very big decision that teams are like, well, I, I need a coach. We got to get something in here. And Eagles famously didn't rush it when they hired Nick Sirianni. They waited. They were the last ones. And look, they they, they nailed that one um, by a lot too, right? Like who? I was thinking back the other day to that coaching year. Uh, Staley trending in the wrong direction, but I don't think he's bad. Uh, Robert Sala. I'm not. He's on the. He's got to win next year, otherwise he's going to be out. Arthur Smith has won nothing, though he's been given a pretty bad roster the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't think it's it's necessarily his fault. Um, Dan Campbell? Staley, Smith, Sala, Campbell. I actually like Campbell, but I, obviously the different realms of rosters. They're... Uh, David Coley? Yeah, see, that's what I mean. Like Urban Meyer? Yeah, so... <laughs> I mean, Sirianni stands above everybody. He's He's been the most successful coach of all of them so far in his tenure. Let's grab Scott quickly here before we hand over to TK. Scott is up on WIP. Hey, Scott. Hey, guys. So, uh, I think Reich went to Carolina because he knew the owner and he, he played there at one point. And, I think he was uh, their th- first quarterback, actually, Scott. Yeah. When you Like, yeah. they're in the inaugural Pan- uh, Panthers. And, uh, you know, I got to give hats off to Lurie. Ryan. That guy knows how to pick coaches. When you think about the coaching tree he picked with no experience, last four coaches, really excellent. But I was calling because I think that uh, – we arguably have the best roster that's ever been assembled in the NFL. You go position by position. We don't know who's going to be in the Hall of Fame and who's not. But you look at the all pros that are out there on that team, and you look at you know two shutdown corners. You got a safety that can play slot. You got a great slot player. You got an amazing defensive line. And then you add Linvel, Joseph, and Sue. And then you go to the offensive line, and then you go to the wide receivers and the running back, and Miles Sanders is a top-10 running back. He has his issues. but And then you look at Jalen, and he's crushed it. So, Scott, when you, when you first said it, like my, I like, was like, what, ever? Um, and I still think it's a very strong statement to make, but I will say this. Um, it's what, it's the, I think it's the best roster in the NFL this year, so let's just start with that. So we start with yeah. 2022. Uh, if they win the Super Bowl, I think we can – use that as part of the argument you're making. And then I, the one thing I would say is we probably need to just separate the salary cap error versus the not, right? Like you go back to those. Yeah, that's fair. Because like those Niners and Cowboys teams, in the early nineties, like they just, yeah, because it was unfair. They just kept all the best players, no cap. But in the cap era, the only thing I, I could say I first thought of was probably some of those Patriots teams, like the undefeated Patriots teams with Moss and Welker and Brady. And they were unbelievable, but this is a great team. I mean, it is Scott. It's a great team. Yeah, and uh, score this weekend, 30-13 or 24-10. The 49ers haven't come in here and scored more than 20 points, I don't think, in 25 years. I like that, Scott. If we get that, we're going to be celebrating 6.30, 7 o'clock Sunday. Night. Scott, I appreciate the phone call. I think it's going to be closer tonight. We'll talk about that tomorrow. The score, the feeling, the gut feeling, all, all that coming up tomorrow night. You guys have a great night. 
Back at 6 tomorrow on a football Friday, the biggest football Friday of the year. I can't wait. TK next, Sports Radio 94 WIP.